it would be good to make some introductions just in case, because I don't know everybody here today. Absolutely. Suzette, do you want to introduce yourself? Sure. Suzette Rowan, I've been at Dover Yoda 22 plus years. I've spent some time in looping fifth and sixth grade and then sixth grade. And now finally at this part of my career, I'm in kindergarten. And I also have my reading license, I guess. That's kind of the big picture items. How about you, Tammy? I am Tammy Rave, a K-12 media specialist at Dover Yoda. I taught coding for seventh and eighth graders. I do a girls who code club, do a book club, work a lot with teachers, especially up in the secondary for media and how to find resources and things like that too. Awesome. Shannon, how about you? Sure. Up until two years ago, I spent my career as a social studies teacher, primarily teaching world cultures and psychology. And now I've had the opportunity to flip over and I'm currently an instructional coach. And I work EC12, but primarily 512. I love, love it. Natalia, you want to introduce yourself? Sure. Natalia Benjamin. I teach multilingual students at Century High School, so here in Rochester. And this year I'm also adding ethnic studies to what I'm teaching. So that's super exciting. I had an alternate route to teaching. So before I, I taught, I got my master's in language acquisition and teaching. So my husband and I had a, a business teaching Spanish and French to elementary students where we lived in Idaho. Very clearly a fabulous group here. It's, it's really nice to see you all in one place and, and for us to be able to learn from you. you got to have an eye. Third eye education. Third eye. Welcome to Third Eye Education. Today, we are having a conversation with four of the Teacher of the Year nominees for the state of Minnesota, Shannon Helgerson, Suzette Rowan, Tammy Ray, and Natalia Benjamin. Let's dive in. Well, so the plan today is really to just go ahead and jump right into In the Blink of Three Eyes first, which normally we don't do. Mike, do you want to start us off with the first question? I do. I do. This is not a setup, but what podcast, book, show, or whatnot has been influencing your thinking lately? And you can include Third Eye if you wish, but... Sure. So I have really been fangirling over Jim Knight lately. I'm getting the opportunity to participate in his instructional coaching training online, which is phenomenal. And so, of course, now I'm rereading all of his stuff and listening to pretty much everything he's put out. So basically, his emphasis on an instructional coach's role as a partner is completely my jam right now. So it's driving my practice. I'm super excited about it. Which Jim Knight book are you reading right now? Which one are you processing? Well, I'm going back through the Unmistakable Impact book and really breaking it down chapter by chapter, especially because of the partnership piece. Yeah, I think that's my favorite yeah. one, so good choice. Uh, Heather, who's the, the other big coaching voice that the Wilman references a lot? Is it Elena Aguilar? Yes. Yes. Thank you. Yes. Elena Aguilar. You know, Jim Knight and Elena Aguilar, I feel like are the yin and yang of my practice because Jim Knight is very much the process and like the nuts and bolts of how to. And mm -hmm. Elena Aguilar is all about like the relationship building and the community building piece. And together, it's a beautiful thing. I agree. I think those two are, are wonderful together. Uh, though I think our model here is neither of theirs, but... I love them both. So uh, excellent, excellent choices. But a great resource too. Absolutely. Uh, Suzette. I read a smattering of stuff. Um, one thing that drives my instruction right now is something called the Talent Code by Daniel Coyle. And it is not an education book. <laughs> 
title of it is greatness isn't born it's grown and here's how and it talks about how to become a good athlete which amazingly um pertains a lot to education and there was a chapter in there i believe it was chapter three where it talks explicitly about building neuron connections and i believe the example they used in the book i read a lot of sports psychology stuff because after I read a couple and re realized how much they connected to education. Then I was like, oh, I'm gonna read another one. And they talked about like, if I'm shooting a basketball and I'm shooting it and I'm practicing it wrong, that basically my brain needs to make this new connection. The reason I think it connected so much with me is because I know a little bit about electricity and they talked about it as being a building that copper wire to make that new connection and I'm not gonna get better at it until I've wrapped and wrapped and wrapped and wrapped that connection so it's stronger than the old connection. And then I've rewired and then mastered it. So I always think about my kiddos, anytime I'm, they're struggling with something that I have to make that connection and then it's my job to either send home practice or rework with them so that that connection keeps getting stronger, stronger, stronger so that it overcomes the old connection. So. Daniel Coyle was the author of that book. Did you look up that uh, video? Uh, Suzette, very early in the book, he talks about an example of uh, a little girl who's practicing piano. Yeah. Uh, there's a video. You can actually look and see the process of uh, rapid growth. Yep. Yeah, it's a direct correlation, you know, because it talks like music and all of that mm -hmm. stuff. So, yeah, it was a really good read. And, yeah, I recommend it to anybody. It's not just for sports I love that you brought up that it's it's from outside of the educational world because you know that's something that we've been really striving to do with third eye education too is to find educational inspiration from outside of the education realm and so like we recently did some work with mark barton who wrote a beautiful constraint which is a business book but we can learn a lot of from it and we also did some work with dessa who's a rapper and so a lot of people don't think of her as as an educational connection but she actually has a lot to offer education i love the fact that you're looking for outside of education for things that can apply and help us be better and well, like I said, it happened by accident. <laughs> that that one I happened to read during COVID, but I reference it a lot, you know, when I talk to parents about, you know, why it takes so long for them to relearn it. And that chapter just resonates so much. And when I explain that to them, they're like, oh, that, you know, it makes a lot more sense why they learn a sound wrong, why it takes forever to undo it. So. Well, okay. How about if we hear from Tammy? Something that I've just really picked up lately is historical fiction, as well as some memoirs. I read the Dessa one and just adore her and how it really makes me understand my students, too, based off of what they're seeing and what Dessa saw. Another one was Seconds and Inches by Carly Israel. She is from Ohio, and I actually got to meet her a couple weekends ago through a book club Zoom chat, too, and she is amazing in talking about issues in her past and things that she did or done to her and how she overcame all of those obstacles and has become a better person because of it and just a wonderful read and then of course the historical fiction Malakai by Alan Brennert is about um, the island Malakai in the Hawaiian chain where people that were lepers went as a colony whether they were young or old um, they were all kind of shipped off to this island and they had to make this new life without their parents. And it's about, I think she was eight years old at the time, this eight-year-old girl that was shipped there and her growth Absolutely. through that hardship. And 
it was just really interesting. And then of course my students are all about Hamilton too. So up at the middle school, high school. So <laughs> I was so pleased that, that came out on video because I knew I wasn't going to New York. Good, good choices. Are you, are you using them to, to kind of put yourself in other shoes? Is that my understanding correctly? Yep. Um, to put myself in other shoes, but just also if my students are having a difficult time, here's this book that, um, they overcame that. So, um, what can we use to overcome your situation too? Making those connections. Yeah. All about connections. <laughs> well, I think it's a really great to help process through challenging times. And this is certainly the most challenging time as educators we've certainly faced, you know, and I think uh, th those types of inspirations will be helpful in conversations with kids and peers. Well, Natalie, your turn to answer the question. Yeah, I, I've, I've got two ideas here um, because like there were too many things to pick from, but as an immigrant from Guatemala, I know a lot of history about Latin American uh, countries and the relationship with the world and the United States. But something that I didn't know before I came here is the Chicano history and the history of Latin American peoples in the United States. So I decided to take a couple classes, just this in the past couple months. And one book is called Crucible of Struggle. And it goes and it narrates the, the Mexican-American War. It goes into details as far as the feelings of people in the north of Mexico and, and why that was happening and the results after the war, et cetera, et cetera. But the reason why this is important, not just because of the history behind that, but because of how it shapes the history of Latin American people in the United States and what is happening today. And so when we have students reading, right, The House on Mingo Street, or You're Not My Perfect Mexican Daughter, and, and it's hard for, for students to connect to, to a world that is so foreign from their own, framing these histories and these books within the context of what happened in history before will help them to better understand the why of people. And so I think that's something that's been influencing my thinking lately is how do we better understand the histories, the many histories in the United States, so that when we are working with students with different texts, that there's that context that, that frames what's happening in the stories and that we can have critical conversations with our students to not repeat the past. So that was one thing that came to mind. The second thing that came to mind is the work of Dr. Bettina Love. So We Want More Than Survive is the book that's Than Just Survive is the book that she wrote. And then her, her podcast, The Abolitionist Teacher Network. And thinking about how, how we can help students thrive and just figuring out ways to just have them be their best authentic selves in school versus just how can we just pass this class or how can we just get you to graduate or how can we just get you to survive school? And so I think those are two of the things that I'm just thinking about a lot lately. I love that. So we'll shift to our second question. We really value yeah. innovation with Third Eye Education. So we're curious as to what's one innovation that you've recently seen or that you would really like to see? Well, one thing that I've been really excited about is seeing teachers really moving away from the model of teacher as like keeper of the knowledge and then the student as like passive recipient of the knowledge. And I've been really encouraged by seeing a lot of teachers this year while we're in the most challenging time of teaching ever, uh, creating structures where students really can be the drivers of their learning, 
instead of just like passengers on their educational journey. So I've been excited just to see all the examples of innovation that I'm seeing in classrooms. That's awesome. Is there any particular tool or technique that you've seen that shift happen with? Anything that uh, if someone's listening to this and going, I want to do that, what would you recommend? Yeah, there are just so many great strategies or, or activities that I see people doing that drive this. But one strategy that I'm loving right now is referred to often as the 10 to 2 model. And the best part of the model is that it is deliciously simple and super effective. Uh, I think back to first or second year me teaching where maybe I can be a pretty effective lecturer. So I'm just going to tell all sorts of great history stories for 45 minutes. And then I'll say, are there questions? Okay, you have a few minutes to process this knowledge. And instead, that 10 to 2 model basically is a, a pacing model where you figure about 10 minutes of direct instruction or modeling or activity of some sort, and then pause two minutes of interacting with the rest of the class or maybe partners, and then two minutes or so of processing yourself. Maybe you're interacting with your notes or um, summarizing the learning, and then you launch back into the cycle again. It's so simple, but it really does put students in the driver's seat because in those last two and two minutes, that's where you're going to find out what the students understand, what they need more of. Um, so it's sort of, it's a constant feedback cycle. It's simple and that's what makes it beautiful. It doesn't cost a dime. I love it. I love how applicable, like how, how actionable that is for teachers. Exactly. And I would love to encourage a journey over to pblworks.org. Boy, do they have a lot of materials prepared for placing the student in the driver's seat of their learning. So it's such a great resource. Um, I guess I can go. I don't know how innovative it is. Um, I know kindergartners love anything with technology. So I started rethinking a lot of stuff that I'd done. And, um, and it just so happened to coincide with me reading a book called The Secret Game. I had, and I'm sure I found it on an athletic website that I was I like that <laughs> that I was reading for some reason, and but um, I unfortunately yeah. haven't been able to finish the book because I had to return it to the library because if I bought all the books I was interested in, I'd be poor, poorer than I am. But in a nutshell, it's well around World War II in North Carolina, it's the first African American college being built, and they were taught had a basketball team. And then the nuts of the bolts of it is a, the secret game. Obviously, you guys can probably guess what happened. I'd never heard of it before. It's a, a fun book to read. The one part that was a little tricky for me, because I'm so used to not reading elementary books, that each chapter was about a different person on the basketball team. And so you're always flipping back in time. So you'd start reading and then you'd move ahead in time till just before the basketball game. And then you'd read another character and they slide you back. So it was a little bit kind of like reading holes for me, you were always moving. So it made it a little bit challenging that way because I'm not used to that teaching kindergarten. <laughs> I don't get that kind of literature. But what was exciting for me was I, when I was researching this book, there was a book that was a children's book that was made up of this secret game. And I knew from talking about Martin Luther King with my kids, I could never get a connection with them because they their frame of reference like Natalia was talking about, they, they don't know. But I thought, you know what, I'm going to give this children's book a shot and see what happens. And all of a sudden they had a connection that they were like, why, why does it have to be a secret? I mean, all these questions came up. They play basketball together now. Why is it a secret? I mean, we talked about, you know, look at the cars, you know, there's hints in the book that this happened a long time ago. 
and had I had a way better discussion about the beginnings of the civil rights movement. I mean, so we're talking back way before it really happened. And I like to find out about the people who kind of laid the groundwork for others that kind of have the big moment. And they talked, I told them, I said, there's a lot of other characters in this story that you don't hear about. But I said, there's some important people, all ethnicities that laid the groundwork for Martin Luther King, who you're going to learn more about to let him like really take this movement and push it for the equal rights movement. And the kids are just like, really? Who else? And I'm just like, I can't get into all this with you. You're just kindergartners. <laughs> <laughs> but they really enjoyed the book because the they got into how secret it was because they couldn't imagine driving a car with quilts all over the windows so that the the white people could get to the black college. They like, they could, how did the driver see, you know, all these questions that they had. And then the best part about the game at the end was that the kids liked is that they made the game fair and then they played shirts and skins. So well, I had, then I had to explain what shirts and skins are, believe it or not. But, <laughs> but um, I just thought, you know, that's just something, you know, you have to build on something they know. And the, everybody right now, like in Yoda, everybody knows basketball. So it was some, some place for them to start anyway. So absolutely, I think I'll do it again, just because for them, Martin Luther King is, is a tough concept because yeah. it doesn't connect with too much yet in their life. As they get older, I'm hoping they'll have more to connect with. So well, elementary, kindergarten, it's the ground floor to get those conversations and thoughts going. Oh, yeah, it was it was fun. Yeah, I guess I'll go next and piggyback off of what Suzette was saying. I've really appreciated a lot of how there's the adult version of some books recently, such as Stamp from the Beginning to Stamped by Jason Reynolds. And then what Suzette was saying with the secret game books, I think it's really important that especially those types of books that are adult basis do have the sub-series in the YA and juvenile realm for those kids to be able to grasp those concepts better because they do need to, to hear it from other points of view and from other people and not just their teachers. And Jason Reynolds does a, an amazing job with Stamped. And I think the audiobook like just gives it such a fun feel. I agree. Um, I'm, I'm reading it now, but the audiobook was yeah. just amazing. My favorite is when the authors read for the audiobooks because they have so much expression and so much heart in it that you can't get that just from somebody else reading their book. It's really amazing. Oh, I was just enjoying the conversation. So. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I forgot to share. Um, so something, and I think it, it goes back to um, that that student driving the the curriculum. Something that I've, I'm trying to to work into fourth quarter is youth participatory action research and just getting the students to to be the drivers of of the research piece, but also being the researchers, not just reading and writing about it like okay here's a problem that you're interested in let's figure out what there's out there what you know what else do we need to know where do we get that data who do we need to interview like how and so get them involved into what matters to them and getting them to action to find something to uh, find solutions so whether that is 
you know, presenting their findings to somebody in school or, or developing a project based on what they found. And so I'm working towards it. I've done pieces of it in the past with research projects and students doing home interviews and, and, you know, coming back and sharing, but I've yet to put it all together, but I think it's something that as I get more comfortable with the pieces of it and get it all together. I'm hoping to to make it an integral part of what I do every year, but still working on that. And, you know, hopefully once I get the kids face to face it, everything will fall into place, right? Yes. <laughs> I was going to say a plug for that too, Natalia, having your licensed media specialist help you support that research would be very beneficial for the students too, to, to have that. Yes. Yes. I love I that. Media specialist. There's nothing I can't do without him. I'm always like, hey. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Our last question. <clears throat> Listeners inspired by today's conversation may want to take action on their learning. Uh, what might that first action be? Well, I will pull a page out of Michael Bungay Stanier's work and say, get curious and stay curious longer. That I feel like I need it tattooed on my body somewhere. Um, ask questions. And when you've answered those questions, ask some more. Get around inspiring people because we rise to the level of the people around us. I love that, Shannon, because uh, recently when we were doing work with Dessa, that was her actionable item too, was to get curious. She was like, spend 30 minutes a day just doing Google and getting curious and writing down what you're curious about. So preach. <laughs> I love it. I love it. That's where the magic happens. <laughs> I was going to um, just piggyback on Shannon's because um, I think that's probably why a lot of us are here is because our curiosity and when we do something with it, and I guess um, I would just add to that and share it in some way. There's lots of ways to share share it, um, clever ways that you can come up with, that you can do that little drop in the bucket like my um, principal used to do, that slow drip method. Mrs. Dr. Savoni likes to use. <laughs> and then kind of piggybacking on Shannon as well, um, there's a wonderful resource for Minnesota residents and that is elibrarymn.org, where you can get all those databases and find information that you're going to be able to trust a little bit more than what might be out on Google. So I'll share, uh, because almost everything has to do with equity work, but look up the social justice standards and work with identity with your students. And then if you want to dig deeper, get Goldie Mohammed's book, Cultivating Genius, and the Rethinking Ethnic Studies that is just amazing, gives you lots of hands-on stuff you can do just to develop students' identities so that they can, they can move towards social justice in their own communities. Piggyback off of Shannon, uh, surround yourself with incredible people. Uh, look what, what we did here today. Uh, so, so pleasant. Uh, thank you. This always humbles me when I listen to educators talk and... Uh, Clearly, you're uh, just amazing teachers, each and every one of you. So thank you for all you're doing. I really appreciated this. I really loved meeting all of you and just your, just what you shared. I was like, yes, yes, yes. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you to the four Teacher of the Year nominees for joining us today, Shannon, Suzette, Tammy, and Natalia. Also, thank you to our hosts, Heather Light, Nick Trexel, and Michael Carolyn. Thank you to Dover Yoda for their support. 
Kayla Molly, and in the future for Hip Hop Ed's Elevi.